Welcome to an inspirational message by Pastor Harold Weiss, Senior Pastor at Little Falls Christian Center. Well, there you are. Here we go again with the evening service of Little Falls Christian Center. And of course, we're talking about the final days. Now, for me, it's very difficult at this time to talk about the final days because there is far more that I can say than what I'm actually saying on the television. And sometimes it's two and two makes four for many a person that uh, listen to these prophecies. But, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine, a colleague of mine. He's much older than me. He's in his 90s. I'm not sure 92, 93, could be 94. Dr. Ralph W. Neighbor and I was on the telephone and a wonderful man of God, still faithfully serving the Lord. He said me a thing this week and he said, Harold, what is, if there's one book on prayer that you would recommend, what is the one book of prayer? And you know what? The one book of prayer, uh, if I say outside of the Bible, of course, that uh, inspired me to pray for the rest of my life was actually not specifically a book on prayer, but it was by Dr. John G. Lake called Apostle to Africa. And I said to him, Apostle to Africa, he said, I read that one also. And I said, Dr. Kenneth E. Hagen, The Art of Intercession. Those two books set me on the, on the road. And the one I saw God doing miracles, and the other one I learned that the techniques varied in different kinds of prayer. And so we continued from then. We spoke for a while. And, um, you know, they still do exercise every week, even at that age. And uh, it's amazing, he says he doesn't drive anymore, but he still swims three times a week and uh, does exercise, and uh, they're still in good health, and the Lord is looking after, the, after them, and I bless God for them. Now, this morning I spoke to you about uh, the day of the Lord, and I said, let no man deceive you uh, by any form of communication, uh, even as it came to you that we said so, uh, that the day of the Lord has come. He says, but first, says Paul the Apostle uh, in the book of First Thessalonians, he says these words, he says, uh, the, the, the day of the Lord, Second Thessalonians uh, chapter number two, he says these words, but the day of the Lord shall not come unless there be a falling away first. In other words, let me put it in plain language now, backsliding like you've never seen before. And let me again speak straight to you and say to you, people are doing things that are absolutely beyond any question, God forbidden. I say God forbidden. In the fear of the Lord, I say that. And I am actually in many, many cases that I look at people and I, and I, I see that their lack of knowledge and what they get up to. I was saying to Dr. Neighbor, I said, I noticed that people do not have the knowledge of the word. And for me, it's no more just reading the English text or so. I read the Greek, I read the Hebrew, I read the Paleo-Hebrew, I read the Aramaic. I, I look at what actually in the original text is written there. Of course, very often we find words fit in, in between or are fit, uh, fitted in between so as to make it a construct or a sentence of sort. But in actual fact, if you know what sits below, then you know what God uses as terminology to say that there will be by no means uh, be a return of the Lord, the second coming of the Lord, 
for the catching away, I would say catching away of the church is different between, between the second coming, which is the ca catching away of the church when he comes to receive the church unto himself and presents the church as the bride of Christ unto the Father. And then, of course, there is the second advent when Christ comes, the heavens open, and he lands on the Mount of the Olivet east of Jerusalem. Oh, I've been on that Mount of Olivet numerous times. And every time I look and I figure out, and I'm trying to figure out exactly what is the spot, I got it more or less in my mind set where I think the Lord's going to land when he comes, the rider on the white horse, Revelation chapter 19, where he begins to speak. Uh, and uh, from verse number 11, he goes on, and, and this rider of the white horse wearing many crowns, it is the Christ, the armies of heaven, the armies of of heaven, Tsevaot, they are following him and they return to the earth and he slays the beast and the antichrist and also the dragon, uh, they all cast together into the lake of fire which burns forever and ever. First in Revelation chapter number 18 towards the end, the beast and the false prophet is caught and then of course in Revelation 20 verse 10, my favorite verse, in many ways, where the dragon is caught, which is that old serpent, which is the devil, is caught and cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. Now, if I look at all of these things, there remains but one thing for me on this earth. I am a servant of God before, who I, for whom, before whom I stand and whom I serve. For me, there's no such thing as trying to boast about anything except the cross of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Like I said last week, let me say this again. It's good to say this, that you will know it. You know, when I, when I give a tithe, I give a tithe to God. When I serve, I serve men in the name of God. As like in a priestly, you know, we're a royal priesthood, according to the order of Melchizedek, Christ is high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. And as one of his people standing as his servant in and before him, I speak in his name and I'm saying to you, the Bible says very clearly in 2 Thessalonians 2, that there will be a falling away in the last days. Now, many people have said, well, you know, the coronavirus, that's going to be, that is, uh, you know, this, that, yeah, they got all sorts of the schemes and things. And I fascinate myself with these things because I read the Greek, the Hebrew, the Paleo-Hebrew. I study these things and I can see what the Bible is saying in very plain, straightforward language. There must come a backsliding of great note, not just of note, of, of super note, spectacular note. Now that is busy taking place on the planet. The, 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 the virus called COVID is, is in fact called a pest or a pestilence or a plague in scripture, in the old covenant and in the new covenant. These plagues that will be in various places where Jesus spoke about it, that would break out. And um, then it says also in the book of uh, the, uh, let, let, me, let me go into the Bible to the back in uh, Deuteronomy chapter number 28 from verse number 15 on to 21, where now, of course, because of disobedience, there comes all this, this uh, plagues upon mankind and everything that can go wrong. They have chased the wind. They have caught the storm. The storm is not Katrina. The, the storm is the preamble, so to speak, before hell. It's the introduction, it's the appetizer of what is coming. 
Chasing the wind is when you look and you prime other things, you, you, you cause them, them to have priority over Christ in your life. They chase the wind, they catch a storm they don't want. And then they say, Lord, how could you have done such things to us? You know, how could the Lord do? And they are so ignorant that they do not know that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but receive everlasting life. And he so loved you and faith works by love and the love of God. Romans 5, 5 has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Christ likeness is directly connected to love likeness in behavior towards the people of God. And so I look at this and I see the ignorance. And you know, it's not just Isaiah 5.13 that says, my people perish through a lack of knowledge or have gone into captivity. Actually, it means into chains. They're caught like, like prisoners, like slaves. They were put and they were enslaved by the devil himself and the forces that were under the devil's control to serve in a faraway land. So therefore, for example, not only in the Assyrian Empire case, in the case of the Babylonians, how shall we sing the Lord's song by the rivers of Babylon where we wept well? How shall we sing the Lord's song uh, in, in a land so far away. And Daniel was there and Ezekiel was there and Daniel searched the scriptures. I searched those scriptures and Daniel said the visions of my head, you know, he says they disturbed me on my bed. I had the same thing. I found that in many of these visions I've had, I have seen from childhood, I have seen visions of the holy city. And I believe with all my heart that what I saw there was a reality because you can't tell the difference between when you're there, you know, don't know whether you're in the body or out of the body. You can't tell any difference except for the, the forces uh, of, of the Holy Spirit of God, the force of God, the ability of God that takes you and shows you specificities, specific things. Those, those are vastly superior. The speeds wherewith uh, you travel is vastly superior than what you can imagine with, with your mind. Let me have a glass of water because I'm going here at full speed. <clears throat> so, the day of the Lord will not come except there first come a falling away. Not revival. Maybe there's a revival. I would pray there would be a revival. Evan Roberts prayed for many, many years. And as a young man, there was a revival in Wales. Uh, and uh, then, of course, uh, we, we know about the Welsh revival. We know about William Booth. We know about many people that prayed for revival and revival came. We know, know about John uh, Alexander Dowie. We know about Finney and his prayer life. And we know about Dr. John G. Lake. We know about Maria Woodworth, Edna, Charles, Charles Capps. Uh, there was uh, Kenneth E. Hagen. There was Smith Wigglesworth, the giant of the faith. We know of Oral Roberts, uh, Catherine Coulburn, and then of all the people that followed since then. There were miracles, so many that you couldn't recount them. They happened all the time. Yet men chose to go the way where God is flatly ignored, like King Asa. It says King Asa in the days of King Asa. In fact, there is a scripture that says uh, that, those very words. It says, uh, let me just get that little piece of scripture for you. And uh, it says that in those days, uh, in uh, the Acts of Asa, the first and the last, indeed, on the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. This is Second Chronicles 16, 11. And in the 39th year of his reign, Asa became diseased in his feet 
and this malady was severe, yet in his disease, in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but he so seeked, uh, he did, uh, but the physicians. Now, I, let me say this very clearly to you. I have family members in the medical field. I have people that I love that are friends of mine that are in the medical field. And I do, they, I think personally, they do a noble job. I really think they suffer and they work hard. In this time, they have no time to play around, fool around. They're trying to help people to recover from particularly the COVID. And then there's still many more other diseases apart from that, like in the oncology departments of cancer and the people like with kidney diseases, disorders and uh, whatnot. They have their, their hands full of standing in for the people, trying to get them to go well. They, in other words, they're actually doing something uh, that God also does. But when God touches you, it's a complete touch one time. Like when I prayed about the COVID, I had a very short spell with it. I prayed it clean out of my life in this room where these cameras, there are two cameras here in front of me. In fact, I'm looking at camera one, I'm looking at camera two. And uh, as I look at these cameras, there, there where this, this camera is standing now that's looking at me, I was on my knees. I prayed myself out of the COVID and that was the end of the story. God still heals. There are all those people going around and say, well, you know, all of those things stopped with the apostles when the last apostle, which was the apostle John, died there and his grave is on the island of Patmos. I visited his grave in the church of Ephesus there on the island. Uh, in fact, not he didn't die on Patmos, he died in Ephesus. And, uh, you know, I went to his, his grave. There's a church built around it. It's actually standing in ruins. And there's the grave of the apostle. I went down to sit down the apostle of love, originally called Boanerges, sons of thunder, him and his brother. They were just of short temper, but God changed them to men of love. You see, God changes you. God takes hold of you and he changes that innermost core of the being. And faith works by love. That's why when you by love pray, and I've seen this when I pray for people with cancer, that such a compassion come over me. That, that I find myself in that moment either weeping or wanting to weep. But then with that compassion, I pray the prayer of faith, quoting scriptures. And with that, I have seen people healed. I have seen children healed. I have seen people with plastic eardrums hear again, that they couldn't hear a thing anymore. But, you know, all of those things are to the glory of God. God does these things. There is nothing that I can I say I've seen them. But I can also say that God does them. I can also say God does them still because I've seen them still and every day almost something happens that tells me again that God is the worker of miracles. And if you pray to him, you know, Dr. Neighbor said, what's the best book that you read on prayer? I said, John G. Lake. I said, why? He said, why? I said, because he inspired me to do the same thing. And then I start praying and then I read the uh, one of Kenneth E. Hagen, Art of Intercession. And then I said, there's one book on the various subjects or where various methods of prayer. There's a methodology. There's about 11 kinds of prayer in the Bible. Most people don't know that. I need to do a course in the Bible school and just open up the Bible. I don't really need notes and stuff. I just take my word. I don't even need this computer in front of me. I just take the word, just talk. 
because it's in my system. After years, after a lifetime of prayer, it's like the work of an artist. It sits on your tongue. With your tongue, you paint what you are desiring from God. But first, you make right with God because your prayers won't work if you are living in unrighteousness. If you're living in what is called the, the forbidden zone, I'll call it. There are sometimes people living lives that God absolutely forbids. And then they say, the Lord did this, the Lord did that. They can't say that. They can't blame God either because they were straight disobedient to God. Now they say, how can the Lord of his love do these things? But you know what? They gave them over to lasciviousness and the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. They gave themselves over in their bodies. They received the due judgment. That's just the way it works because God is the God of love. But if you have a lifestyle that is bad, there will be a falling away in the last days. So I said to Dr. Neighbor, my best teacher for prayer was a thing called experience. Every day, all the time, it never stops. It gets better as I apply the word of God. That's why it is important for me to take this word of God. I haven't got it in front of me right now, the Greek and the Hebrew. But if I took that Greek and Hebrew and I look at what it actually says in the word of God, what actually took place and how God states it, then I begin to see revelations I've never known before and there are things that I've never known before. And I begin to realize that I'm busy here with a gold mine outstripping any gold mine. All of the gold mines put together on the planet and people are running after scientific books. It's fine because if they want to help people, that's good. If they want to just work, that's also good because we, we have to do and, and earn our, our bread in the sweat of our brows. That's fine. But you know what? I have chosen that my doctor is one called Jesus Christ. Let no doctor call me his doctor. I am not his doctor. I am, I am one of, oh, uh, he's not my doctor, but I am, uh, I am under the, uh, as a doctor and under his supervision by the name of Jesus Christ, the great physician. So, you know, like in 2 Kings chapter number 1, there was the story of uh, King Asa that fell through the lattice of his house. And then he went to find out from all of these people that were busy with all of these idol worshippers and, you know, trying to find out from them now, now, you know, will I recover from this malady or this catastrophe that came over me? And Elijah the prophet walked in there and said, now, is there then no God in Israel? I want to say to you today, let me close this for a second here. Is it that there is no God in Israel? Is it that there is no God in your life? Is it that there is no God in heaven above before whom you are today that you would not pray to him, seek the Lord while he may be found? Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. If you search for me, you will seek me and you will find me if you search for me with all of your heart. I will give it health and healing. I will heal, will heal your body. So you're to pray. I say, I say, I, I, I pray anything out of my life that I don't want in my life. Just pray it out of my life because I believe by prayer and by the prayer of faith, the sick is healed. It is written in James chapter number five. Now concerning these things that I'm talking about, therefore, as we are in the final days, you know, I was talking to some people in this week and I was saying to them, you know, because I don't have just this English text in my memory, I also have this Afrikaans text in my memory. So immediately uh, when I was there, 
uh, I, I, they, they, they were asking me a question and I said to them, based upon their question and concerning the thing, go to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 3. And I said, well, in 1 Thessalonians, I actually just quoted it for them. I didn't actually tell them to go there. But uh, if you uh, look at 1 Thessalonians in here, this Bible, these pages are like kind of very, very, very old and um, it's all right. It takes a bit of time. In the old days, we used to do it this way. Now, don't do it like that anymore. Uh, and um, and in, in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, uh, and, and, and it, it, it tells you here, I'll translate it from the Afrikaans, uh, from, the English, from the Afrikaans to the English. Om hierdie rede bring ek byghele knieën voor die Vader van ons Heere Jesus Christus, van wie elke geslag in die hemel en op die aarde sy naam ontvang. Uh, now, what he says here in 1 Corinthians 3, 16, these words that are very, very important. Dat hy hulle mag gee na die reikdom van sy heerlijkheid of met die kracht, met kracht versterk te word dier sy geest in die innerlijke mens, so dat Christus dier die geloof in jylle harte kan woon. Weet jylle nie dat jylle lichame een tempel is van God en van die heilige geest nie? 1 Corinthians, should I say, 3.16. Weet jylle nie dat jylle, dat jylle a tempel van God is, en van die geest van God is, en dat die geest in jylle woon nie, die heilige geest in jylle woon nie. From the English translation, let me give it to you immediately, because if I didn't do that, I would sin, because a lot of people are not able to understand the Afrikaans language. That's okay with me. Here it comes in English, 1 Corinthians 3.16. Do you not know that you are the temple of God, and that the temple of uh, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. If anyone defiles, that means corrupt. That means if a person here, in this Greek word here, that, uh, that means corrupt, it means literally in a physical manner, outward or inward, in circumstances, destroy, ruin, or corrupt the body that God created you to live in. If anyone corrupts this temple, it says, weet jy nie dat jy die tempel van God is, na die geest van God, jy die woord nie, as jy eenmaal die tempel van God skent, sal God hom skent, want die tempel van God is jylle, en is heilig, dit is jylle, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. So, I am very careful, because, you see, if you talk about prayer for a moment here, if I go off the track, and I want to go off the track here for a moment, if I talk about prayer, I realize that to start off with, this here is a temple of the Holy Spirit. I dare not do anything to this temple. Put two and two together in every possible respect, in every dimension. If, if this temple is defiled, and there's no repentance, but it's being refiled, defiled, because anybody can stumble because of a sin nature. But if a person's temple is defiled, the Bible says, then, in the English translation, it says, then, um, uh, or do you not know the temple of God uh, is, is with you? Let me just take this thing. Uh, if anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. Destroy him. That is literally, God will cause him to become corrupt as he wanted to be. 
and uh, you will annihilate him through the very actions and utterly destroy them. Here, I see in the New International Bible Dictionary, I see those words. So my, my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. I cannot afford to compromise with any form of sin. Not for a second can I do that because if I compromise, then I realize that I endanger myself because the Afrikaans translation says, says very beautiful, as the temple from God's cancer, so what is Christ busy doing? First, first Thessalonians chapter number five. He's preparing unto himself a bride without spot and without wrinkle. Be holy for the Lord your God is holy. When he receives us, he will receive us in holiness. Those people that have kept their garments pure and clean are those people that will see him. Listen, blessed are those who are pure in heart for they will see God. Is that so? They will see God. Those who are pure in heart will see God. Now, if you think of the holiness of God, do you, do you for a moment realize the contrast between that and the absolute filth of the devil? All the filthy stuff that you see in society, all the stuff they do, they, you know, because they don't know God, they try to find solutions for any of modern day's problems by means of any measure that they can find solutions for it. But you know, for me, there's one solution. Turn to the Lord, but with all your heart, seek him with all your heart. And if you search for him and you seek him with all your heart, you will, he, will, he will be found by you. He will give you health and strength. If you pray, you will receive. Ask and keep on asking. Pray and keep on praying. Believe and keep on believing. You see, we're heading very fast for a day in which God's going to fetch the church. Now, what gave me a kind of a, you know, I'll express it like that, but it wasn't, I was not frightened at the time of it because it happened to me and I've never been frightened while in visions because it's your born again spirit in harmony and connected to the Holy Spirit. And I saw the earth as a black ball hanging in the air with a faint rim around him, around, I, I assumed it could have been the sun now, completely hidden and a complete darkness of the sun. You can't see any sun, just a little rim around the earth. And then you see all the nations are in black. And uh, then here and there, there were little light. I was telling Dr. Neighbor about this. A little light would come on and go out again. And I looked at these little lights, but it's only for a while it goes off. And I see over there, there's two, three that come on. They go off, then there, over there, then over here, let's say in South Africa, then over there. And I, and I immediately wanted to know what was that that I'm seeing. But by a force that I do not know, whether in my body or out of the body, I can't tell you. I was taken up to a level above the earth, beyond the satellites. Doesn't matter if you don't believe me. I have seen it and I know it, my witness, my spirit bearing witness in the Holy Spirit. I looked at the earth in this vision and I saw the earth and I realized at that moment in time was communicated to me, those people that are praying, those are the lights that you see in there. When they stop praying, the lights go out. So then the darkness comes in. So as long as you're praying, the light is on. And so therefore we found that when we're praying a lot, there's a lot of light around us. So that so that people that have demon spirits have often come close to me and they said, go away from me. I've had people in Jerusalem spit at me. I never even saw them, the people walking behind me, the group following me. 
I remember Bob's and, and Heinrich Neumeyer still walking right behind me. And there suddenly from nowhere came an old man and he started spitting, hissing like a snake and spitting at me. But nothing landed on me, so to speak, to be very uh, clear on the situation. And, and, and when I turned around, he ran for his life and he disappeared around the corner. I didn't bother chasing him. But he stood there hissing like a snake and spinning in my back. I thought, now what's that funny sound? Because I was looking at little shops and things in the city of Jerusalem. Just the previous night, we had a huge revival in the city of Jerusalem. I know Israel better than I know South Africa. I know all the streets. I know it all. I know the streets. I know the cities. I know the towns. I know the places where every major miracle in the Bible took place. I've been to all of them. I've been across Israel numerous times, 32 times. Till that map of Israel, I can draw you right now. It's not a problem. In fact, we had to do that at university already. So I can I draw the map of Israel and I've crossed it, crisscrossed it from every corner to every corner. Now, if you look at that, you think to yourself, Lord, you that have created all of these things, we're in the last days. People are going to be falling away. They will not be praying. That you know that, do you know that the most difficult thing? The most difficult thing that I find in mankind is to get them to develop a proper prayer life. To come to a prayer meeting when there is a prayer meeting. I'm not talking about under the lockdown, even without lockdown. To just be there. Now we have great crowds that come for those prayer meetings. But I can tell you right now, I know that there are people that they start praying when they're in the day of trouble. Well, you know, the Lord said, call upon me in the name of trouble. I will deliver you, but you must, I will, but you must honor me. You will honor me. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, but you must honor me. You will honor me. But now I say, I say, he's not the fifth wheel on the, on the, on the car. He's never, never been a fifth wheel on the car. He's not a spare tire, you know. You have a relationship with him. When you're walking, when you're talking like Jesus went up on a mountain to a solid, to, to be in a, to a solitary place in solitude and he came down from the mountain and he worked miracles. I've always said from the prayer room, then the study room to the pulpit to the power. I always said that because it starts with a relationship with God and you worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Now tell me now, I must fear any pestilence or any plague or any this or any that. I don't fear my friend. I have no fear. What should I fear? What is there that my God can't take care of? What is there that my God that's evil, that my God even permit near me? You see? So I look at the people and I have compassion upon the people and I say, my Lord and my God, I look at these people and I see how they're suffering. Because you see, the day of the Lord comes like a thief in the night in which there will be the sound of the trumpet with the shout of the archangel and the dead in Christ shall rise. Then those who are together with them still alive on the earth, those that are the very last generation will rise up and, and will uh, rise up to meet the Lord in the air. First Corinthians 15, behold, I, I, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all die, but we shall all be changed. How fast will we be changed? Like I always say, the Godspeed. In a moment, atomo is the Greek word for the word atom. In uh, atomic particle, 
of, of like you get a photon, an atomic particle of light, atomic particle of time. The speed wherewith you will be changed and then become capable of ascending into heaven would be at atomic speed. It'll be like that, it'll be over and then you'll be rising up along with the dead coming out of the graves and we all meet the Lord in the air to be to, with the Lord, assembled with the Lord forever. Now we will have to meet the Lord before the judgment seat of Christ. Now we will spend the time of the marriage supper of the Lamb, Revelation chapter number 19. Now the armies of heaven will come down on the day of the Armageddon. Hell breaks through here on earth. There's hell and, and there's terrible stuff. The Antichrist is here, but there are two men that oppose him that he cannot get out of his life. Only then he succeeds, but only for three days. And then they get raised from the dead. And then they, they ascend into heaven in the sight of all the people while the television cameras of the world says the Antichrist has destroyed this, this, the, these two witnesses of Christ, the two olive trees. I believe with all my heart, I believe with my total being, in fact, that this is going to be Elijah and the second one, Moses, not Enoch, but Moses, because it is, it concurs with the ancient Hebrew uh, writings that I've uncovered and seen that clearly it is Moses that will walk up to that mount of the temple mount and say, I'm, I'm Moses. Let me tell you something. Here are the Ten Commandments. And let me tell you something. These commandments, every single letter, every single pictograph, every pentagram, in other words, every word, every sentence of the Ten Words or the Ten Commandments, every letter tells a story about the one who is called Jesus Christ, the Messiah, whom you didn't want to listen to, but he's coming now. And at the moment in time that they die, that's the time for the Christ to, to unleash in his final wrath, the final plagues over the earth. And those final plagues we read about the book of Revelation, chapter number 15, chapter number 16, and the book of Zechariah, chapter number 14. Now, my dear friend, I must say to you, am I going to be scared of something? I only got to do one thing. I got to have the fear of the Lord. And with the fear of the Lord, I'm stay away from what's wrong. This book is not like a law book that is being put together by man. This is God's book. It's been blown in, inspired by the Holy Spirit from page to page, from letter to letter. And you search the scriptures and it's they that are testifying of me, said the Lord. Then go up into the heaven and then to appear before the judgment seat of Christ for the believers. Every man's work shall come to the light. Precious precious stones, uh, wood, hay, stubble, uh, could be silver, could be gold, could be precious stones, but also it could be wood, hay, and stubble. It'll be burned by fire. And if it's destroyed by the fire, he shall be saved, but yet as through fire. But those who have produced gold for the kingdom of God, they will receive their special reward. There's no question about that. And did you know that there are at least five crowns for believers, given to believers in the Bible? Did you know, did you know, did you know? But the people don't know. And I'm walking around. They've gone into captivity because of a lack of knowledge. And the book of Isaiah 4, 6, therefore my people are in bondage. That means they are bound tight. They cannot make a move because the devil's got them. They're in bondage because of a lack of knowledge. Then the Lord says to the priests, he says, because you've rejected the word of God, I will also reject you. That's a danger word there. This book here is the life light that is given to us. We are privileged. We have a Bible. We can read the Bible, but we don't. And if we don't read the Bible, then how do I explain to the people the word called 
the word of faith. How do I say to the people, I want to tell you how to pray. Pray according to this word. You don't know this word. You don't know the Bible. Haven't read through the Bible ever. My dear friend, it's time for us to go back to God in everything that we've got. Just serve the Lord in the beauty of holiness and Father in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray that people make huge commitments to God this night. In Jesus' name in Africa, I pray that Lord everywhere, wherever they are on the planet, they will make a commitment to you. And Lord, seek you forevermore. For more teachings like this and other material, please visit our website at www.littlefallsonline.com.